0: studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Yacht sales are also booming. Some billionaires are building such big yachts, they can cost over $500 million. These yachts have everything you could want, and a lot you don't. One yacht had a dedicated cocaine room. I'm going to say if you have a dedicated cocaine room, every room is a dedicated cocaine room. Yeah, good point. Yeah, apparently the yacht wars are on among the super rich to have the coolest yacht out there and if you've never been to San Diego and checked out what a yacht can be cuz I didn't mm-hmm. know what a yacht really could be until I saw the ones that pull up in uh, in San Diego. The 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 top of the top, the best ones have a helicopter. Yeah. They've got a freaking helicopter on their yacht. Just amazing. And usually what, they're from some foreign land. What was the one super
0: rich guy that we he's got like a yacht on his yacht? Oh to yeah? take him to the helicopter yeah. or something? You I can't
1: remember. Got a bigger boat than you'll ever own in your life on top of his giant boat that takes him to wherever with a helicopter. I don't know. I don't even know how it worked.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, please welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Tim, the lawyer, Sandifer. Tim is the vice president for litigation with the Goldwater Institute, uh, adjunct scholar with Cato Institute, and the author of many fabulous books, including The Right Turn of Living, The Permission Society, and Cornerstone of Liberty, Property Rights in 21st Century America, again, among others. Tim, how are you, sir?
2: Hi. You know, man, I don't know how people are so rich. I, I, I still feel rich when I go to Red Lobster for dinner.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know i when I, was a, when
2: I was a kid, Red Lobster was too expensive. So nowadays, you know, I feel like big fancy lawyer man when I go in there. So. Yeah, it's a, all
1: about expectations, my friend. Yeah, and we're, and what you grew up with. Um, hey, did you watch Loki? By the way, are you? An, I know you're like a Star Trek guy. You're a Simpsons guy. Are you like a Marvel Comics guy? Did you watch Loki by any chance?
2: No, I despise comic books and all comic book movies. I cannot yeah. stand them.
1: I, I'm perfectly comfortable with that uh, that uh, emotion. I just wondered if you had seen the Simpsons version of Loki. They did like a three-minute short <laughs> that is hilarious. It's on Disney.
2: We, they are typically better than the original sources.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, I was reading this week how it looks like this commission is actually going to happen that the Biden administration put together to take a look at the Supreme Court and some possible changes to the Supreme Court. How many justices in, you know, immediately, um, if you're, uh, if you're anti Biden or anti Democrat, you immediately go to, he's trying to pack the court. But there is discussion of what's the right number. It hasn't always been nine. Um, should they have term limits? Should you, uh, have rotating Supreme Court justices with other federal courts? A variety of things. What do you think is the sweet spot? What would, if you were in charge and you were put in charge today of how to, uh, compose the Supreme Court, what would you do?
2: I would leave it at nine. I don't think there's any reason to change it. And I think changing it, even if you really are just changing it for non-ideological reasons, it nevertheless still opens the door for changing it for ideological reasons down the road. So I just think it's a bad idea. And And there's no reason to do it. What we really need is more. We need the Supreme Court to take more cases and we need the lower courts. We need more judges there. That, that often gets ignored, how important the, the uh, intermediate courts, the circuit courts of appeal, those are really, really important. And people don't really pay a lot of attention to that because it, you know the Supreme Court's always on the news.
1: To me, the oddest thing that happens with the Supreme Court is that it's just random how many justices any particular president uh, or administration is going to appoint, and then it has such an influence. Trump got three, Biden might end up with zero in his first term, is, is is that? Are you okay with the randomness of that? Although, uh, although, know. and to throw it one caveat, they regularly don't end up voting the way whatever president thought they were going to vote.
2: Exactly, and that's that's crucial because the whole idea of the separation of powers and in an independent judiciary is that these are questions that are supposed to be answered based on principles instead of political expediency. That's why we have lifetime tenure, so that the judges are not going to be swayed by temporary political arguments. And when you boil it down, all these arguments about expanding the court and changing it are all about politics, by people who don't accept the fact that there are right and wrong answers in the law. This isn't just a thing about popularity. There are things that are constitutional, even though you think they're bad ideas, and there are things that are unconstitutional, even though you think they're good ideas, and the judges are there to tell us.
0: Just for the sake of the argument, a 20-year term, wouldn't that have the same uh, net benefit as a lifetime appointment?
2: Yeah, or something along those lines, like a, a, a an age limit across the board or something. People float those ideas. And I'm not totally against it. I think if people want to amend the Constitution to, to accomplish goals like that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just don't see any point to it. I, I don't think we've ever – I don't think we've had many problems with justices who stayed – to the point where their minds went. I mean, there's been one or two, but it's never been a real problem like that. And so I don't I'm not really bothered by the lifetime tenure thing. With the 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 one of the problems with a 20-year term, of course, is then that means that when that person's term comes up, that's all anybody talks about at the presidential election. Nobody's going to talk about the other issues. So it would have effects on politics. Not necessarily saying you can't do it, but it just seems like it's unnecessary to me. So
1: the biggest problem, and we've talked about this with you before, is that the Supreme Court has to do so much of the heavy lifting that Congress is supposed to do. And I was reading, it might have been something you wrote, but I was reading something a while back on how it used to be believed in Congress that you would not even introduce a bill that was unconstitutional. You would talk it over with your uh, your colleagues as to whether or not this would fly constitutionally before you'd, you'd get into the wrangling of a bill because you swore an oath all everybody in Congress swears an oath to the to the Constitution. Now Congress regularly passes things that they know might be unconstitutional, but they don't care.
2: Oh, they don't care at all. And and to the extent that they do care, they don't know. They don't ha- have any real awareness of the of what the Constitution says or doesn't say. We all remember now was it ten years ago when when Nancy Pelosi was asked where in the Constitution does it give the federal government to, the authority to control our health care, and her answer was, "Are you serious?" Because she had no idea. And, and of course, that, that's uh, a, a major problem that touches on another major problem. Everybody talks about the Supreme Court. Oh, the Supreme Court. We've got to be worried about judicial activism. Oh, the court's going out beyond its bounds. Nobody ever talks about how vastly more dangerous Congress is. Congress and the president violate your rights every single day of your life. The court... At most, what the Supreme Court can really do is step in and shut down something that you think is a good idea, really. I mean, there are certainly examples of the Supreme Court or other courts going too far and crossing the line. But by comparison to the elected branches of government, the Supreme Court is angelic by comparison. And people never pay attention to that because they think, oh, well, politics, I'll vote for what I want. No, this is a constitutional problem. These people take oaths to obey and respect the Constitution of the United States, and they typically thumb their noses at it. It's really unconstitutional. Or, or my favorite example is President Bush signing the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act years ago, saying that it was unconstitutional. It came right out and said, this is unconstitutional, but I'm going to sign it anyway, because I'm going to trust that the Supreme Court will do my work for me and strike down the unconstitutional part. No. You take an oath to support and defend the Constitution, you have an obligation to veto a law that you think is unconstitutional.
1: And uh, Obama had one of those, too, where he regularly said, no, I can't do this, it's unconstitutional, and then he finally got enough pressure from his side to go ahead and do it with an executive order. Tim Sanford is the, the, the vice
0: the, president for litigation for the Goldwater Institute. Go ahead, Tim.
2: The obvious example of that is DACA, right? The, right. The, we, I, when he came out and said, I can't just nullify the, the nation's immigration laws, and then a few months later, ah, guess what, I'm just going to sign this thing.
0: So uh, there's so many things I'd like to talk to you about, um, but in the limited time we have, I don't know, can you hang around for another segment, or what's your schedule sure. look like? All right. Yep. Um, well, then I have another Supreme Court question. You alluded to the fact that uh, the Supreme Court doesn't take many cases. We ought to pay more attention to the uh, the circuit courts. Uh, what percentage of circuit court uh, cases actually make their
2: way to the Supreme Court? Oh, the so U.S. Supreme Court takes r- around 80 cases a year, and there is about 8,000 cases that they're asked to take so they wow. take a, a, a minuscule number of the cases that they're that they are asked to take now it's true many of those are just you know some prisoner who writes out some uh, frivolous thing and sends it in the mail but the these are a lot of these are crucial constitutional issues that the court ignores for, sometimes for decades there's an issue that i've been trying to, to get the supreme court to take for 20 years or so now and this and, and the the lower courts disagree on this issue so you have what they call circuit split where the lower courts are actually in conflict with one another, and the Supreme Court just ignores it. Is that the designated hitter? (laughs) If I knew what the designated hitter rule was, I would let you know.
0: (laughs) Uh, Tim Sandifer with the Goldwater Institute. Why don't we take a quick break and then come back? And uh, I have so enjoyed our email conversation about socialism and George Orwell and and the problems of socialism. Yeah, it
1: Uh, wasn't lost on on me, Tim. And then in the same day, you... (laughs) text joe some complicated orwell versus socialism thing but you send me an obscene willie nelson joke so i i I see where you know i understand (laughs) well if the shoe fits
0: (laughs) anyway uh more with tim sandifer in moments don't go away armstrong
2: and getty
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show. More on the uh, opening of the Olympics. Opening ceremony already happened. Uh, Some COVID stuff you need to know if you didn't hear what Joe informed us of earlier. Ben, we are really being misled by our own government on the whole vaccine and COVID, the interrelationship of those two things and how it works. But uh, more on that later.
0: But first, first more with uh, Tim, the lawyer, Sandifer. Tim Sandifer is vice president for litigation with the Goldwater Institute. The author of many fine tomes, including uh, "Cornerstone of Liberty: Property Rights in the 21st Century uh, America." Which I bring up, Tim, because I want to talk a little bit about uh, economic freedom and, and central planning and government distorting markets. Uh, I mean, there have been a couple of obvious examples. Whether uh, you know, uh, protecting people who are delinquent on their rent, which you might be in favor of, you might not, uh, to, uh, subsidized housing to, in particular, paying people lots of money to stay home, the way that's distorted the labor market. Any comments on the, the enhanced unemployment benefits and the effects of it, it has had?
2: No, yeah, it's a terrible, a uh, terrible circumstance that the the government has put us in economically. Every day you drive past uh, rest all these uh, fast food restaurants that have all these "help wanted" signs out. You businesses close because they don't have any employees to take. I, I, my wife and I went to a restaurant a while back, and they told us out straight out, "We we're sorry, we can't see you because we don't have any any waiters or anything." So the businesses are are ready to get the engine of economics moving again, and the, instead the government is paying people to to not to not work it's a, a disastrous idea
0: well you shared with me something from i think it was the road to serfdom by hayek uh, about uh, what's wrong with say i don't know uh, poor people need butter Butter's expensive we're gonna impose a price cap on butter why isn't that a good idea
2: so in in if you're going to control the the market the price of one good That inevitably forces you to control the prices or the market for any other good. So if you try to put price controls in place for butter, dairy farmers are going to say, well, fine then. I'm just going to make cheese instead. So now you have to put restrictions in place on cheese in order to make sure that people get enough butter. So now you put a restriction on cheese, and the dairy farmer says, well, okay, I'm going to sell milk instead. Meanwhile, people who use butter or cheese in their products, you know, cookie makers for instance, they're going you know, you're going to have they're going to have a problem because they can't get any butter. So their prices are going to go way up. Well, now you have to control the prices of cookies on the market. And and then the people who depend on cookies like coffee shops, they can't get any cookies because there's a shortage now, so their prices are going to go way up. So now you have to control that too. So inevitably because the market is so interconnected, any effort to control one area of the market requires you to control the entire market. That's the economic reason why socialism or government controls of any sort inevitably tend toward totalitarianism. It's not just that there's some, that there's bad guys out there who take over and, oh, well, this isn't real socialism, and, oh, it was just because Stalin was a bad guy, or it was just because Hugo Chavez was a bad guy, but otherwise, you know, it would have worked in theory. No, in theory, these kinds of government controls do not work as a matter of economic law. And then how does it
1: turn
0: into quashing dissent and and what would seem to be non-economic behavior?
2: Well, because necessarily people are going to turn to the black market. If they can't get the products and services that they need in the mm-hmm. marketplace, they're going to turn to the black market, and you're going to have to control them. You're going to have to control what they say because they're going to tell each other, hey, you know, you, I know where you can get some butter off the market for cheap. You know? So you're going to have to control what they say and that's even putting aside ideological questions and enemies of the state and the and or the, the the evil motives of bad guys who get into power and that sort of thing even if you put those things aside and those are overwhelming concerns in any kind of society like that you still tend toward totalitarianism because in order to control economic behavior, you have to control speech, you have to control religious freedom of people who depend on goods and services. You know, if you're, going to, if you're going to prohibit alcohol, for instance, what about Catholics who use wine in the mass, for example? So you're going to have to inevitably control every aspect of individual behavior if you are really going to have government plan your economy.
1: So a lot of things happened during the pandemic. And, you know, to be fair, and I think you've talked about this too, there were some pretty tough calls to be made during the pandemic. It was an unusual yeah. situation. But I've been talking about this long form article I read about, um, the pandemic was the greatest transfer of wealth from small business to large business. So many small businesses all across the country were forced to shut their doors. Completely, or at least severely restrict, while Walmart, Target, and Amazon made the biggest profits they've ever made in their history, selling a lot of the same stuff.
2: Well, this is, I see two points here. So the, the first one is, if, if the, the cost of doing business necessarily goes up due to circumstances beyond anyone's control, such as a natural disaster, some businesses are more able to absorb that cost or deal with that cost or provide people with the things they need at the prices they're willing to pay more than others. And those that can't should fail economically, and those that can should succeed economically. On the other hand, when government comes in with a one-size-fits-all, top-down, we, we bureaucrats know how to run things better than everybody else does problem, then you don't allow the businesses to come up with interesting, unique, unusual ideas for solving the problem that you might not have thought of otherwise. That's the great genius of capitalism is it allows businesses to come up with new ways of solving and addressing problems. But when the government comes in and says, no, no, every business in the the county has to shut down at 10 p.m. or something like that, you deprive entrepreneurs of the opportunity to come up with Mm. ways of, of treating their customers safely but still getting them the goods and services they need.
0: Yeah, imagine if instead of government mandates, we'd unleash the creativity and passions of the American people to solve these problems in whatever industry, whatever business. That would have been a wonderful thing to behold. Instead, we got bureaucrats who are monomaniacally focused on COVID-19 to the exclusion of every single other human concern. Uh, Tim Sandifer, Vice President for Litigation at the Goldwater Institute. Uh, it's always so interesting, Tim. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for
2: having me, guys. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. There's a big difference between a store uh, voluntarily closing down because they say, you know, we just don't have enough customers to justify having employees here and having our lights on, than the government making them close down, and they didn't even have a shot at trying to see if they could serve their customers. Well, And and th- instead of what that looked like, say you got two weeks to figure this out. How are you going to keep your people safe?
0: And then watch American creativity flourish. That would have been wonderful instead of awful. Armstrong and Getty.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Uh, Well, this isn't good. I read that muffins sold at Walmart and 7-Eleven have been recalled over concerns about listeria. Walmart apologized while 7-Eleven just slapped on a sticker that said, Listeria flavor.
3: <laughs> wow. I'll take two of those.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of food, um, I was just out in, uh, I won't say where I was, but a uh, co-worker whose keyboard wasn't working. Said I walk out and I hear him say, this damn keyboard. I said, what's the problem? He said, not working. There's so many so many people eat here. There's so many crumbs and Parts of crackers and stuff in here that the keys don't work. (laughs) This is sick enough. So they share a keyboard with with other coworkers who eat snacks over them, and the keys are all gummed up with goo. That's hilarious. Yeah, gross, just gross. Yeah, yeah, it is.
0: I got the call more than once from our various college children that we raised uh, saying, hey, Dad, I think I need a new computer. Really? Why? Well, the keyboard doesn't work. Mm. really that's interesting why do you think it doesn't work Is it just <laughs> too old yeah, i may have spilled some pepsi in it yeah. you may have spilled some pepsi in it or you did spill some pepsi in it what's yeah. a, what what's a boy slash girl to do
1: i'm a real uh i'm uh i'm the soda nazi or drink nazi i don't allow anything around uh the, the computers of course i have no control over it once they would leave the house uh the cleveland it, who's knocking Somebody outside, somebody's knocking weird hey the studio's rocking Oh, Don't she's, bother knocking. They're actually banging the crumbs out of the keyboard out there. That's what the sound is. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, Stop the hammering. So this has gotten some attention. The Cleveland Indians have changed their names to the Cleveland Guardians, and we all know why. It's political correctness, really. Um, we got a couple of different texts, and this is anecdotal, but there have been surveys that back up this sort of thing. As a Native American, Apache, I love the Indian mascot team names. I wish they wouldn't go away. Uh, we also got this one I'm 40% Cherokee. Guaranteed no significant number of Native Americans care. We like it. Um, yeah, it's mostly woke white people on behalf of Native Americans that complain about this stuff. Uh, they've done surveys lots of different times. Um, particularly, you know, Redskins is a, might be a different uh, situation. But I know on a lot of the teams of Braves, that sort of stuff. I grew up, I've always been, uh, I'm from South Dakota, so I grew up kind of immersed in a lot of Indian culture. Of course, we call it Native American now. But just lots of stories about it. And it was all just like super impressive, you know, badass Indians of defeating Custer or all these different sort of things. I grew up thinking Indians were super cool and wishing I was part Indian and, and that sort of thing. I've never felt in any way that these various sports teams' names diminished any of those feelings I had. Right? I thought all.
0: you made a, a great point earlier when we were half facetiously discussing the nicknames. But you made the point that that they at least keep... The tribes and the traditions in, in the, uh, you know, uh, front and center of a lot of people who might have curiosity. But, you know, I went to the University of Illinois. Our team are the, our teams are the fighting Illini. Who were the Illini? What did they do? Why'd they go away? That sort of thing. I'm curious about that. In fact, I've
1: read a fair amount about it. Yeah. And then finally, this text, um, Cleveland Guardian sounds like a company that makes roll up security doors or old fashioned insurance company. <laughs> Yeah, it really
0: does. (laughs) Or adult garments. Uh, Bladder control
1: garments. We had another funny text. Where did I put that? Uh, Oh, here we go. Uh, They should go with the Cleveland Cleavers, a cleaver-wielding mascot named Clevey McCleaveface. I like that. (laughs) Well played, friend. Well played.
0: So, uh, you know, a conversation with Tim Sandifer, I always enjoy it. There's so much. I mean, we ought to do like a, a, a 15, 12-hour podcast with him talking about the subject with his books and that sort of thing, economic freedom in particular. And, and I've said this many times about, uh, I think, one of the great failings of progressive policy, especially, is a lot of well-meaning people say, well, if we just do this, this will solve the problem. Uh, solve whatever problem is before us. But what they never think about or talk about is how will this change the world? How will this change people's behavior? How will people react to it? What will happen because of it? And then what will happen because of that? What is the cascading cha- uh, chain of changes that will result from the policies? It's just it's, it's a, a simplistic, almost childlike faith that you can mess with the free market, or with people's lives, or whatever, and they will just simply, you know, A plus B equals C, and nothing will change. When, indeed, it can be more like a Jenga board than anything else, or a Jenga game, and you can pull out an innocent little piece, and the whole thing falls apart. Mm -hmm. Um, And it reminds me, one of the aspects of the email Tim uh, sent to me, we were emailing back and forth about Orwell, uh was that well it was a a similar thought what the heck where was i going with that Is it jenga i've just hmm. you know i've never played jenga you haven't no my wife and uh, nieces were playing the other day That's and i was watching yeah too uh, stressful
1: um i have never been beaten at jenga i might be the world's greatest jenga player cuz i've never lost and i've played a lot of games I'm do just, you cheat no i don't cheat i'm but i'm really good at it i just okay. have a very steady hand all right all right. Well, maybe my train of thought will refer
0: to me Joe Biden-like after a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe, because I do have a, a point ultimately in some tape I want to play for you, but, uh, Simply Safe's uh, founders, Chad and Eleanor Lawrence, designed the first security system in the kitchen because their friend's home had gotten broken into, and they were aware of most security systems are expensive. They drill a bunch of holes in your house and people don't use them because they're too complicated, and they came up with Simply Safe.
1: Yep. I've known people who had a security system that didn't use it because it was too complicated. Simply Safe is simple in all kinds of ways, like, just getting it ordered. You go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Takes a couple of minutes to customize the system on their website. And then it comes to your home and you set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. Yeah, you set it up yourself because it's not very complicated. And then whether it's a fire, a burglary, a medical emergency, or just help setting up the system, there's always someone there that has your back to keep you safe and help you understand, you know, how to use the thing. And Simply Safe has won a bunch of awards against other much more expensive, much more complicated systems. Good website too. So check it out. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong.
0: You get a free security camera for using that code. 60 day risk free trial. Nothing to lose. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. Uh, SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. It really is a good system. You're going to like
1: it. I don't uh, want so, <clears throat> to, I don't, I was going to bring up what you brought up the other day uh, around this because I, I don't, and this sounds condescending, but I don't know if this is too, you know, 400-level college class for somebody who's just driving in their car and wants a little entertainment. But I had never heard the explanation for why people like Orwell were socialists. That was always Mm -hmm. very confusing to me, because he was so brilliant. And I've always thought, yet he was still a socialist, clear to the end what was going on there. And Tim explained it to you.
0: Yeah, and my train of thought actually returned to me. The the socialists of the time, they were more about equality uh, of opportunity for people, uh, whether women, minorities, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and they wanted to eliminate the class system. They didn't really think about the economic aspects of it. That just wasn't a big thing, the idea of uh, common ownership of the means of production, stuff like
1: that. Right, and we, we failed to appreciate how entrenched the class system was in England, still is. In Great mm-hmm. Britain, to a certain extent. I mean. A lot it, of cultures, really. You, you were born to a class and you were gonna stay in that class because the other classes above you made sure you were gonna stay in that class. And that's the sort of thing that really, uh, people like Orwell were against. But one of the more interesting aspects of
0: Tim's email uh, to me that we exchanged back and forth was that uh, folks of that era, they didn't think of the free market as as as, as something that needed to be defended or discussed. It, it just was. People exchanging goods and services voluntarily, uh, just it was. It was everywhere all the time. And so you didn't have to defend it or describe it or anything like that. And I think one of the great failings of progressives these days is they don't understand how incredibly efficient Uh, the free market is and how it's lifted billions and billions of people out of poverty. And most of what they don't like about it is actually the powerful getting government to cooperate with them to screw up the free market. It's not the free market. It's the opposite of the free market they don't like. And so when they screw with the free market, it's like the ecosystem. It's like, you know, introducing frogs to kill the mosquitoes. Then all of a sudden you're overrun with frogs. Then you got to unleash cats and then bears to get the cats and then tigers and then elephants with guns and the you don't. We know that now. You don't mess with the ecosystem because it's much more complex and wonderful and efficient than we realized. The same is true of the free market. You don't screw with it because you're not smart enough to anticipate what's going to happen if you do. And, and it's an enormous egotism that makes people think they can centrally plan the economy. Now, having said that, oh, man, look at the clock. I really wanted to get to the Cuba stuff. Next segment? Yeah, maybe next uh, segment. Uh, The State Department announced uh, new sanctions to really show Cuba, and a great reporter, and yeah, folks, there are still some great reporters, took their spokeshole to task over the alleged new sanctions.
1: I want to hear that. Good stuff. Did you hear that Dubai is making it rain, and not like at a strip club with dollar bills, but like uh, water from the clouds in the sky? You say Dubai, I say hello. Dubai is one of the driest places on Earth, and they are making, and they're also one of the richest places on Earth, they're making it rain by shocking the clouds, which is kind of a new thing. And its National Center of Meteorology, as a result, started a trial using drone technology, which unleashes electrical charges into the clouds to make it rain. Huh. Has anybody looked into whether or not that's going to ruin the entire planet? Like, there's only so much water, and uh, and there's Mother Nature has a plan, and them forcing the moisture out of the clouds over their country, how is that going to affect other countries where that moisture would have been released at a different time and for a different reason?
0: Yeah, I'd have to talk to a climatologist or meteorologist. I don't know if that's such a trivial amount of rain. It doesn't matter or not. I, or I confess can, my ignorance.
1: Or to go to the other end of it, and then I would be in favor of it. Can the United States, as the richest country on Earth, make sure all of the rain in the world falls where we need it and the rest of the world can suck
0: it? Oh, well, this is why you are not our ambassador to the U.N.
1: And won't soon be. So we make it rain in California and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and Nevada and all the dry places this year. And sorry, France, I guess you're going to have a rough summer. Uh, Order some California wine. Already. We think you'll like it. Yeah, the rain fell already. Sorry, rest of the world. Get better bombs if you want some rain. Oh, I just Well, I wonder if that's where we're this headed. This is the ugly American, folks. I disavow this. I disavow. I joke, but I don't. If 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 countries <laughs> actually come up with a way to squeeze squeeze the water out of the sky whenever they want it, there is a limited number of of water amount of water in the sky, and you would be making it fall where you want it to fall. That would Luckily, have China's
0: dealing with horrific flooding, so I don't think they're yeah. going to get into that business anytime soon. Yeah,
1: because their poorly built uh, dams and everything are falling apart. Because they have no... Uh, communist countries have no... Uh, they're not concerned about that.
0: They no, just, there's no accountability, really.
1: They just let loose a bunch of water in one dam because they are afraid another dam was going to give way and flooded these cities, and they don't care. You lose your business, your home, you die. Well, right, we don't care. Isn't that amazing?
0: Yep it's a
1: very different way and they're trying to expand that way across the globe yeah and nike's helping them and a whole bunch of other people yep. um uh, joe's got his thing on the way our text line is 415295kftc Ceremony of the Olympics has already happened. I'm going to watch it tonight with the kids. always kind of fun to... There are how many countries on Earth? 30. Did somebody just... And here's a Wagwagahan? What? Did you make that up?
0: Well, there are like 232 or something like that, but I don't know how many participate in the Olympics. A hell of a lot.
1: A lot of countries I've never heard of. It's always
0: yeah. fun. Yeah, it is always fun, honestly.
1: Sometimes yeah, they got we'll... two athletes, a table tennis player and a, and a rower. And they'll both get knocked out in the first yeah. round, but you know, the home folks get excited and that's nice. So the State Department
0: announced the Biden administration announced harsh new sanctions against Cuba for oppressing their, their people and the rest of it. Um, and, and a lot of it's, uh, fake as you're about to hear. I just thought this was such good old school reporting. You're never going to see any of this in the mainstream media because it's not, you know, Trump fighting with AOC. Excuse me, and it's not, uh, you know, COVID-related trying to scare you, but this is an old-school AP reporter jawing with the State Department spokesman. Clip 16.
3: The Special Brigade of the Interior Ministry was already covered by global Magnitsky sanctions. So... You've added uh, another designation. I, I just, uh, I, whatever the impact would have been, it seems to be negligible since they were already covered. So I don't quite understand how it is that you're presenting this as some grand new you know, uh, initiative to support the Cuban people, when in fact uh, it's simply adding a, another layer, which was really unnecessary since they already were covered by the sanctions.
2: Uh, I would make a couple points. Number one. The global Magnitsky sanctions regime, regime is an important tool uh, we have that is it applicable. Is. They were
3: already under That is,
2: that is uh, Alvaro Lopez Mira was. No, I'm talking about
3: that. that's one person, okay, who most likely doesn't have so any assets just, or just, any dealings just, with American just so, citizens. Just so, just so no. Let's know. talk about what the real impact would be, would be if you designated the whole entity of the interior a part of the interior ministry like with uh, the iran sanctions okay that would have a much bigger impact whatever that impact would be but the fact of the matter is that, that they were already covered by global magnitsky sanctions the exact same sanction the exact same executive order was used to do this and it doesn't have an- it d- doesn't do anything new
0: Middle-aged guy, could have been a woman, knows his beat, knows his topic, asking hard questions of the government on the record. Not a 24-year-old cranking out clickbait. I just love that. I know it's dry, but I
1: just loved it. wish it should happen more often. And, yeah. And it, asking the obvious questions. Well, and it's so, uh, maybe I'm naive, but it's so troubling to me
0: why government feels like it has to lie all the time. Why don't you just say, our options are very limited. We already have sanctions on much of the leadership. It's in the hands of the Cuban people. We stand by, we'll help them financially, we're trying to get them internet, but there's really not much we can do to the Cuban leadership at this point. Would the, the Cuban Americans go crazy in the streets of Miami? I don't
1: know, but why the dishonesty all the time? Yeah. Um... Back to back to the Olympics, briefly, I was just reading about this, because I didn't watch the opening ceremony, and I will watch it tonight, as I mentioned. But um, So it was really quiet, because there's nobody in the stands, and NBC uh, went with the idea of, instead of pumping in fake crowd noise, which was one option, we know how that worked for the NFL and NBA, worked pretty well. It was but, okay, yeah. And, instead of pumping fake crowd noise, they went they had microphones down close to where you could actually hear the athletes talking as they came in and stuff like that. I have no idea how entertaining that ends up being. But you could hear some of the protests and the uh, the blurring horns and everything from outside the stadium at various times. Lots of protests. As a recent poll shows, 83% of uh, Japanese say the Olympics should have been postponed or canceled. So 80, just about half. 83%. So practically everybody in the country doesn't think it should be happening. That's a weird situation. Yeah, I'd say.
0: So, I hope they don't take it out on any of the athletes or anybody.
1: So I, They probably won't. So I'm guessing you won't have a lot of the puff pieces that you usually have during an Olympics where they give you like a taste of the home country, right? And you go to a local, you know, a local bakery and all these different sorts of things. If everybody's, <laughs> one, it's way closed down because they're hitting, getting hit hardest with the COVID that they have since the whole thing started and uh, very few people are vaccinated. And two, they don't want the Olympics there at all. So I don't know if there's going to be a lot of the home country puff pieces you're used to seeing in the Olympics, which is fine with me, by the way. Yeah, probably just more sports, which is great. Least likely to watch events, according to a poll. These are the events we don't want to watch, apparently. Water polo. I'd watch water polo, but I've never sought it out. Field hockey. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, judo. Ping pong. Sailing. I didn't know was an Olympic event. Rugby. How good is the U.S.? I've I've tried
0: to watch uh, sailing, but I can never figure out who's leading or where they turn or whatever.
1: Rugby seems like a sport we should be good at in the United States, but we must not have a good team. I have a feeling if we were really good at it, you'd be hearing about us winning medals and stuff like that. Our (sighs) guys who would be great
0: rugby players play football.
1: Good point. Canoeing uh, is is an Olympic sport that people don't watch, as is badminton. Badminton.
0: Wow. Uh, had a bad canoeing experience once. Uh, Judy and I and our, our three kids were loaded in a canoe, Sun River, Oregon. And uh, we had a bit of a dispute as to which side various people should be paddling on and ended up staring the canoe right into a tree where we were all branch whipped and, and angry and, and exchanged harsh words. Oh, really? Could have turned ugly. I we, was, uh... Uh,
1: we found our dignity and our self-control. I was, I uh, think, Kentucky, Kentucky or Tennessee, one of those states. I was driving on a long drive, and I stopped at a, like, campground and thought, oh, this is where I'm going to spend my time. And uh, so I started drinking beer, as, well, as was my wants back in the day. And uh, I got pretty drunk. And uh, so I rented a local canoe and got out in the middle of the lake. And somehow, and I have no idea how this happened, just in the blink of an eye, I'm in the water and the canoe's upside down. Oh! And my. I'm drunk. And I somehow got it over to shore and had to walk barefoot through all these stickers and everything. Like, it was a... Oh. Plank- could have been local man found floating face down yes <laughs> <laughs> authorities Anywho. believe alcohol was involved Oh, very involved Oof. like ultimately involved
0: armstrong and getty